Well, wasn't that another wonderful time in worship? That, I mean, I could have gone on. Could you? He's worthy. But he's got a word he wants to bring this morning, and his word is living and powerful. Just say to the person next to you, his word is living and powerful. Active. With the power of God. Praise God. Well, it's slightly discouraging when more than half the congregation <laughs> leave before you stand, but never mind. Some will be back. I'm going to launch straight in because this is quite a, a long-ish message this morning, but bear with me because it's so worth it. Uh, we're going to go with 1 John 4 verse 17. And he says this, love's been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. This he's talking about there. If you refer to the verses before, he's talking about the spirit of God abiding in you or in us and loving one another. So if he's in you by his spirit, you love one another, we may have boldness in that day because as he is so are we in this world now it's that last little bit there that I want to home in on as he is so are we in this world and so because his spirit is in us if you're born again his spirit is in you because his spirit is in you you and I have the potential to be just like Jesus I mean that if you stop and really think about that that's extraordinary, amazing. Uh, But the thing is this, if we're honest, we're not just like Jesus yet on the outside. We're going to look at a slide. You've seen this many times, but I want us to consider this this morning because the spirit lives in us. The Holy Spirit lives in our human spirit. And then we have a soul and we have a body. And that bit in sort of bluey green there in the middle, the soul, in one sense, that's the part of you that's up for grabs. You know, it could go either way. It can go Holy Spirit way, (laughs) or it can go world way. So in other words, you can be influenced by the inside, or you can be influenced by the outside. And we have all sorts of goals for ourselves, don't we? Some people are more goal-orientated than others, but we all have certain goals. Well, I want to tell you the Lord's number one goal in all our lives, and that is to bring the Holy Spirit out. That investment that he's placed on the inside of all of us, his number one goal is to bring him out. Show him off. To everyone around you, out of our souls, out of our bodies. And I thought of this phrase, so that Jesus, it's the spirit of Jesus, isn't it? He is the spirit of Jesus. So that Jesus becomes touchable through our lives. Felt. (laughs) Experienced. If you think of a, you know, so if people come into contact with you, they come into contact with him. And if you think about a sponge that's absolutely sodden wet with water, you only have to brush past it and you get get wet, don't you? Well, like that. Your soul has so absorbed Jesus. He's in your mind. He's in your will. He's in your thoughts. So your thoughts are just like Jesus. 
Your will is just like Jesus. Your emotions are just like Jesus. So you're not laughing when he's crying. And you're not crying when he's laughing. You're in sync, if you like. It's the same. You love and hate the same things. Oh, what a victory. That's, that's his goal for us. And Hebrews 1 verse 9 says this, speaking of Jesus. It says, you've loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than all your companions. In other words, if you love what he loves and hate what he hates, you get happy. (laughs) Now, he knows we all just want to be happy. If we're honest, all of us, all of us in this room, all of us in Taunton, all of us in the whole world, we just want to be happy. You know, it's not even really about the stuff, the house, the car, the job. Do you know what I mean? We just want to be happy. He knows that. But he says, actually, there's a key revealed here. If you love what I love and you hate what I hate, it'll make you happy. Now, I'm going to cut to the chase this morning. I said to PJ, I've done a heavy edit on this because this could be a very long and very meaty message. Uh, And I know meat's good for us, but, I mean, it started off like a proper meat feast and we'd still be here this afternoon. So I'm going to carry on, but I'm trusting that the Lord is going to do a work this morning because his word's living and powerful and active. For the Lord, for God, to get Jesus, his investment, out of us, he has to work on us. This is the thing. And he has to work on us all the time. All of us, all the time. He's patient. He's amazing. I'm so grateful he's patient. But he's persistent. And bit by bit, in many ways, if he can't reach us one way, he'll come another way. Because he's a good father. And very often, he'll do it through external stuff. I know some of you have cottoned onto this, but I think other people don't really realize this. They just keep on going through a tough time and wondering why. I uh, like a program, it's finished now, on BBC Two called The Great Pottery Throwdown. Has anybody seen that one? Oh, just Kaz. Huh. <laughs> We like that. Oh, oh, and me. Okay, there's a few of us. The Great Pottery Throwdown. Basically, a lot of potters sit behind a wheel and they make vessels. And then these vessels are judged by two master potters. And I just like it. I like anything like that. It's, I find it entertaining. But also, it speaks to me on another level. It speaks to me on a Jesus level. And I want you to just stretch your imagination with me a bit this morning. I'm going to tell a story, but I want you you to imagine that a lump of clay can talk. We're going a bit Disney here this morning. The clay, when it starts off, is actually thrown onto the wheel. It's not nicely, gently put on. It is thrown on so that it sticks. Point number one. And then the wheel starts. And then there's a bit of water goes on, but then the hands come on. And the moulding starts. And the squeezing, and the pushing, and the pulling, and the shaping. And that lump of clay would say, if it could, Stop! That hurts! I don't like that. But the master potter doesn't stop. 
He continues diligently working with his own hands. Finally, it stops. And that lump of clay thinks, phew. But then it's into the oven for the first firing. And that clay, which is now shaped into a pot, screams, help, get me out, I can't stand this. And after what feels like forever, the door opens, the master potter gently lifts the pot out of the oven and places it on a shelf to cool down. You ever felt like that? Got so heated, you just have to be put on a shelf to cool down for a bit. And you can feel a bit forgotten, overlooked, ignored. Or maybe you're just that relieved to be out of the oven, you're quite happy to be on the shelf. Just don't look at me, don't think about me, I'm not even here. But then comes the second firing. There's two. And the pot says, I don't need this. I don't want this. I can't stand this. I want out. And the master potter says, not yet. You see, he has a plan. And it's a master plan. But if we don't go through the process... We remain unusable, and actually we don't even enjoy our lives. You know, you start a miserable sinner, and you become a miserable saint, and that is just terrible. You completely miss the point of being on the earth and the joy of your salvation. You'll get to heaven, hopefully. (laughs) But when you get there and he says, what did you do? with the treasure I placed inside you. We have these treasures in earthen vessels. What did you do with that treasure I put on the inside of you? And you would have to say, well, I carried you round, but you were buried. I ignored you most of the time and just carried on living for myself. None of us would ever want to say that when we get there, let me tell you. So in order for God to do something through us, self has to be dealt with. And he's a master potter. He's a good heavenly father. And I really want to emphasize something that's very important. And that's his nature. We need to so trust the nature of God. Psalm 119 verse 68 says, you are good and you do good. Teach me your ways or teach me your statutes. God is good and he does good. And it is because of his goodness that he works on us like that master potter. He cares enough not to leave us the same. He cares enough not to just have his spirit on the inside with no change in our souls. And he's a good father, and he knows how to deal with each one of his children. And it's bit by bit. I'm so grateful it's bit by bit. He's diligent. He's interested in detail. I mean, Scripture says, doesn't it? He knows the number of hairs on our heads or not. He knows. If he knows that kind of detail, physical, how much more interested is he in the soul stuff? And the outworking of our lives. His dealings include things like food, drink, what we wear, 
how we spend our money, how we spend our time. I mean, he's diligent. He's got a fine tooth comb, if you like. And he doesn't let things go. Anybody notice that? If you've walked with the Lord for some time, you'll, you'll know this by now. And he's been dealing with me on a few things. And what I mean by that is you start to notice things in your behavior that you weren't aware of before. You didn't notice before. It's like oh, you suddenly become aware. And the quiet voice of the Holy Spirit on the inside says, you didn't need to do that. Well, you should have done that. Well, you didn't need to say that. Well, that was a bit selfish, wasn't it? If we're listening. And he convicts us. And actually, he causes us to feel sorry. But it should never end there, should it? Because <laughs> that's not true repentance. He, he makes us feel sorry so that we change. Sorry on its own is never enough. Some people just keep on saying sorry for the same thing. And they just keep on repeating it because it's no change. It's not a real repentance. But repentance and faith is our salvation. I love that. Lord, I'm sorry for my wrong. Ha, oh, but thank you. You live in me. Thank you that you are always right. Like I find, I'm not going to share, actually, just like PJ didn't last weekend, <laughs> what he's been convicting me of, but I can say to him, Lord, I'm really not very good at that, but you're brilliant. You never struggle with that. Work it through me. I really want you to work that through me. Thank you that you live in me. That's the faith in Jesus bit, repentance and faith. So his number one goal is to get Jesus in us out. He loves us and cares enough, praise God, to work on us. We're going to look at 2 Corinthians 3, verses 16 to 18. I'm just going to have a quick drink here. When anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. I thought I was going to miss the shelf then. When anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And we all, with unveiled faces, contemplate or think about, behold, the Lord's glory, and are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the spirit. So there's a lot in these three verses. I'm going to just unpack them. The first point is this. If we turn to him, the light goes on. If a veil has been removed, you were in darkness, but suddenly you can see. And I think sometimes we can struggle on in the dark for a long time, and we just don't understand why are things so hard. Everything just seems to be so difficult. Nothing's working, nothing's changing. We can be in the dark. And I think sometimes we can be blaming the devil when actually it's God at work. So we need to see what is it you're wanting to do, Lord? You know, doors are closing. My plans keep on being frustrated. Things just don't seem to be working. And we so often want our circumstances to change when actually he wants us to change first. Hmm. And very often, that change that needs to happen, I'm not saying always, but very often, it is a case of 
Jesus first. Jesus is number one. Him first and before anything else we want. The Israelites, you know, they journeyed in the wilderness for 40 years. 40 years because of their rebellion and their selfishness and their pride and their idolatry, their complaining and their negativity. And you know, that 40-year journey could have taken them 11 days. Isn't that staggering? And I think sometimes we go around and around and around, why God, why, when God, when, and he's like, well, hang on a minute. If you would just put that correction in place, I'm going to lead you right out to the promised land where there is more milk and honey than you could ever want. And so I found it's really good to ask the question, what do you want to do, Lord? I've got two questions. What do you want to do? And then the second question I ask is, what do you want me to do? Because we're partners with him, aren't we? Co-workers. Very often he wants us to cooperate with him and put some things in place in our lives. So that's the first bit. Second uh, point, where God's at work, there's freedom. There might be constraints for a time, you know? On the outside, a little bit like the farmer or the athlete or the soldier, there may be some constraints on the outside for a time. But if we're submitted and trusting him, there's a freedom on the inside. There's a rest, really. On the inside, Hebrews 4.10 says, um, basically, if we know he's at work, we can rest. It's like this internal rest. It's not that we don't do stuff. It's not that we don't work, but our confidence is in him we're kind of approaching all of life from this position of rest resting in him God's at work God's at work Uh, point three he changes us bit by bit I'm so grateful for this you know if he addressed everything in me all at once I think I'd just collapse and say take me now really it's overwhelming Um, But praise God he doesn't. He encourages along the way lots. Um, And this change to become like Jesus is from glory to glory. He changes us in degrees. It's bit by bit. But you know, we always need something dealing with. We truly do, you know, some attitude, some behavior. And sometimes we try and ignore it. And sometimes we try and make excuses. But I so thank God he doesn't give up on us. And as I said earlier, if he won't, if he can't reach us one way, he will bring it another. So if, he, if we don't get it through the word, in his grace and mercy, which he is full of, he allows situations to expose things. Hmm. That's not nice. He brings things to the surface, but we need it, you see. Proverbs 17.3 says this. The refining pot is for silver and the furnace for gold. But the Lord tests hearts. Hmm. And our hearts are definitely tested by external stuff. Our hearts are definitely tested by difficult circumstances and difficult people. Or people that we find difficult. They may not be difficult, but nevertheless... Challenging stuff on the outside or challenging people 
that tests our hearts like nothing else. And it's not so he can see how we will react, because he fully knows. It's so we can see. We're all quite convinced we're good and nice, and there's nothing wrong with this, actually. It's everybody else. Um, But it's when these situations crop up that it's like, oh, hang on a minute. A little bit of work left to do, isn't there? Um, And so testing circumstances and testing people cause us to face things. And cause us to deal with things that we never would have by choice. A, because we didn't know they were there. Or B, because we simply didn't want to. And so without the furnace, without the heat of difficult people or difficult situations, the wrong things in us can stay undetected for months or even years. We don't like it, not one little bit. But you know what? It's the making of us. It's the goodness of God that allows these things to happen for you to realize, well, hang on a minute, actually. That attitude that you've kind of tolerated or most often justified about yourself all these years, it's not right, is it? That's not just like Jesus, is it? Not for honest. Can't imagine him reacting like that. And the difficult things that have happened to me in my life, I have to say, they've made me who I am today. You know, I wouldn't know the Lord in the way that I do if I hadn't have gone through the pain and the trouble that I have. And there's some of you here can say the same. All things work together for good if we reach for him. And it starts with consecration. This is the thing. That consecration is our invitation. But we're really wise if we do that. I invite you in, Master Potter, to work on me. Then the shaping starts. His hands come on. And we're all at different stages of shaping. And at different times of life, we need a firmer hand than others. You may be in a time right now where you're feeling the firm... (laughs) just thought of... um, You'll feel the strong hand of the law. I remember Boris Johnson saying that once. But like you can you know the firm hand of God at work on you at the moment. Or maybe maybe it's not. Maybe you've gone through something, you've come out, it's like, oh praise God, phew. He's worked on me. But you know, sometimes it is only the trouble or the pain in circumstances that will teach us. I'm not saying he sends it, but he will stand back and allow it. In the same way that naturally, I think it must be one of the hardest things in the world to let your child make mistakes. You so want to protect, don't you? But, and you see it coming, and you know what's going to happen, and you so want to protect. But you know that if you always step in, that they will never learn. (laughs) You know? And they can learn from watching other children. Oh, wow, it didn't go so well for them, did it? You know, they fell off, they fell over. Perhaps I shouldn't. And that's what this book is all about. They fell off and they fell over. We read the Old Testament, my gosh. Time and time again, God in his mercy helped them back up and helped them back on. But they just did it again. And so we're really wise if we learn from their mistakes. But let's be honest, most often we don't learn from words alone. I count myself in that group 
We learn through experience, though, and we really learn through experience, life lessons. And the Holy Spirit is quite amazing at setting up life lessons for us. He provides opportunities most days for a life lesson. He is the ultimate life coach. Opportunities to love our enemies, turn the other cheek, go the extra mile, make no provision for our flesh. When you're on that teetering hinge point of I could go flesh or spirit, flesh or spirit, mm, what will it be this time? Well, as we heard last weekend, reckon yourself dead to sin, but alive to God. Jesus, you're in me right now. I really want to give them a piece of my mind. But I know you don't want me to do that, and so I am zipping it. You can't offend a dead man. You can't tempt a dead man. You're not going to get a reaction out of a dead man, are you? Reckon yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God. And we learn from getting it right, praise God, but my gosh, we learn from getting it wrong. Anybody here learn from getting it wrong? I'll be honest, many times, many, many times. But repentance and faith is our salvation. And if we don't learn one way, I hope you're getting this this morning, if we don't learn one way, God is good enough to bring it round another and we will go round that mountain one more time. The same scenario may play out with a different person, or a different scenario may play out with the same person, but it's like the father says to the son, they really haven't got it yet, have they? Holy Spirit, on you go, try again, and he will. And the thing is, it's because he doesn't want us to stay spiritual babies, Um, He wants us to grow up. And I know I often bring a message along these lines, but I'm absolutely convinced that he doesn't want us to stay immature. Because if we stay immature spiritually, we are both unhappy and unfruitful. I think we've got a slide for that. If you stay immature and if I stay immature, we are both unhappy and unfruitful. We can never be happy or fruitful with one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom, that painful place of being on the fence, never. We can never be unhappy, full of religion, no life of God, no activity of the Holy Spirit. It's such a loss, it's a double loss. It's a loss for him and it's a loss for us. Not a win-win, it's a loss-loss. And the thing is this, Jesus is coming back. (laughs) And there's a whole world of people need saving. And he wants mature believers who are going to shine bright. I was thinking about a dimmer switch. He wants us to turn to max. Maximum Jesus, minimum flesh. In fact, come on, no flesh. And we're going to just look. I'm coming into an end now. Land this plane. But we're just going to look at what a mature believer looks like. Look first at Galatians 5. Verse 22, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, or patience. You know, patience is having a good attitude while you wait. Got to be a fruit of the Holy Spirit, that one. Flesh has a bad attitude whilst waiting. (laughs) Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, 
self-control. Against such there is no law. Now, a whole a mature believer has a whole lot of all of them going on. But I want to draw your attention this morning to that last one, which is self-control. It's a really important. They're all important. They're all vital. But what I've noticed in my own life as I've grown in the fruit, glory to God, of self-control, it really helps me with all the others. So a person who has a well-developed fruit of self-control in their lives, when they reach a pinch point, they will choose his will, not their own. They're careful with their words. They have disciplined speech. Look, I'm not standing here saying I'm maxed on all of these. I'm not. I still call my little dog a lunatic, and I've got to stop it. <laughs> he is. I mean, but you, you, you can't, you know, it's the same as children. You can't call out the bad behavior that you see. If you keep repeating it, you just get more of it. Yes, self-control. A mature believer doesn't live by their feelings. Ha, huh, what a win that is. They have them, they're just not ruled by them. A mature believer has lots and lots of consistency. They're not one way when you see them one week and then completely different the next time you see them. Roller coaster ride. There's a consistency about them. Good days, bad days. Because they're not living by their feelings. A mature believer, uh, there's lots of generosity in their lives. They're looking for ways to bless. They care about other people. There's lots of humility. There's lots of mercy. A mature believer will be quick to forgive and difficult to offend. Now, if you hear that list, you may think, well, flipping heck, I've got a long way to go. (laughs) You know? But I want to, you know, let's encourage ourselves this morning. We're not where we were. Come on. We're not where we were. We're not where we should be, just like Jesus. But let's say, like Paul, I've not already attained. I'm not already perfect. But one thing I do, forgetting what's behind, I press on. Let's press on, church. Let's be determined. I am pressing on to become just like Jesus in this world. Galatians 2.20 I've been crucified with Christ. Honestly, I think this verse, I almost think the entire Christian life is summed up in this verse. I've been crucified with Christ. Let's raise a hallelujah. That is the greatest victory. And I no longer live. Christ lives in me. The life I now live in this body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. What's the answer to all of it? Reckon yourself dead and let him live. Because every day we have this choice. Two people can't live out of one body, right? Either he's going to live or you're going to live, as in the old you. Who's going to live then? As your feet come out of the bed tomorrow morning. Or no, let's come on. When you walk downstairs from here, who's going to live? Who's going to speak? Jesus. And if the old you tries to resurrect, which it does frequently, back in the grave, don't make provision for it. Because let's face it, you give that thing, I'm going to call it a thing, the old me. If that thing, you give her an inch, she will take a mile. Same as your flesh. 
Final scripture, 1 Corinthians 15, 31. I affirm, says the Apostle Paul, by the boasting in you which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord, I die daily. Oh, for me, it was like a oh, shock and awe moment when I saw that one. Right then, that's the way forward. I, self, old me, die daily. But it's to let him live. He's so much better at it than we are. He's so much wiser. He sees ahead. Oh my goodness, he has unlimited resources. Never runs out of patience, never runs out of mercy, never runs out of any anything. Peace, joy. He's amazing and it's taken me so long to get this. Honestly, truly. It's embarrassing really when you think. But praise God I've got it now. The answer to it all is die and let him live. Die and let him live. Just just stay there and let him live. And the more we do it, the more we do it, he becomes touchable through our lives. Let's stand. I want you to not forget the pot. That pot speaks to me. And you know, even when... Um, <laughs> spiritually speaking anyway you might have been in the kiln twice had all the shaping gone on cooled off on the shelf and been decorated you know had all the paint put on even been glazed and be 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 ready ready fit a vessel of honor fit for the master's youth this beautiful teacup so admirable and then something happens and it's like well it's back in the kiln for you what? Are you kidding? I thought I was advanced. No, no. You never get beyond that. But it's his grace and mercy to get his hands on us to shape us because every day, and I mean it, every day his number one goal is to get Jesus in us out. And if we let him Truly, we discover we're living life by another power. This isn't self-improvement. I'm so grateful this is not down to grit, determination and, you know, willpower. It's no longer I, but Christ. Oh, come and do it through us, Lord. Come and do it through me. The power of almighty God, the one for whom nothing is too difficult. No situation is too difficult. No person is, person is too difficult. No Nothing. And I just believe that the Lord wants us to, you know, that two-stage thing, it starts with consecration, it continues by shaping. I just want to invite you to close your eyes now. And we're going to pray. Oh, Holy Spirit, if this is your prayer, just pray. I invite you to work on me. Just thank him for what he has done, but just say, this is an invitation this morning, Lord, because I recognize you are so good. You've only got my best intentions at heart. It's only good in the future that you have for me. But for me to reach that good, I need to go through some more process. So just invite him to get his oh, amazing Master Potter hands on you and continue to work. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Just tell him, I want, I want to be who you want me to be. I want to do what you want me to do. And why don't you pray, Lord, help me be more alert. Oh, help me see my life from your perspective. Help me see scenarios and situations 
from your perspective. Thank you, Lord. If you're going through a difficult time at the moment, just pray those two things. Lord, show me what you want to do and show me what I need to do. Just thank him now he lives in you. Oh, just acknowledge him. In all your ways, acknowledge him, scripture says. Acknowledge him and just pray, Lord, help me to become more Jesus inside conscious. I pray, Lord, for all of us that we wouldn't get through a day without a consciousness of you. I pray, Lord, that you would help us hear your voice, be alert to the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And I want to thank you, Lord, that you are so good that you shape us. I want to thank you, Lord, that you've shaped me, and I invite you to continue. Lord, you're wise. You're a wise master builder. You're a wise master potter. You're a good heavenly father. And I pray, Lord, for all of us, when we feel that squeeze or that pinch point or the heat of a situation or something kicks off in a conversation or a relationship, oh, Lord, I pray, let it not bring the worst out in us, but Lord, let it bring the best. Let it bring Jesus out. So fill us, Lord. Fill our souls, that kind of neutral ground in a way that can be full of you or full of self Fill our souls so that when we're pushed, it's you that come to the surface, Lord. Your thoughts, your attitudes, your ways of reacting, your words be in our mouths, Lord. Your ways of treating people. Even your ways of treating ourselves, Lord. We're to love ourselves. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for your patience with us. Thank you for your compassion. You have compassion on all you've made. But thank you, Lord, for your compassion for us, your kindness. Your kindness, actually, that draws us to repentance. It's because of your kindness that you work this process in all our lives. And, Lord, we pray, continue it. And we pray that, I pray, Lord, that you won't find resistance in me or in people here. And Lord, if we start resisting, I pray that you will um, enable us to yield and cause us to yield, Lord, because we have faith in who you are and faith in your plan. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen. amen. Let's give him some praise. We hope you've enjoyed this message from Kingdom Faith Southwest. For further information, log on to kingdomfaithsw.com.